Tommy, I know you have been worried um, about how your beauty ritual impacts your anxiety. Oh, so worried, Pete. I would say distraught. I don't know if you've mm. heard this, but no. in, in anxiety circles, uh, you know, makeup gets a bad rap. And I, you know, studies have come out that say that there is a, a correlation between, you know, makeup and self-consciousness. You know, you put a lot of makeup on, you're overly self-conscious, you're worried that you're being judged all the time, you use makeup as a mask, and before long, you're literally wearing Jim Carrey's mask. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking! But and, 900 uh, times more expensive. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is why I, I wanted to, to bring this up to you, because I think that it's important that you recognize there is actually a positive correlation uh, to uh, uh, self-image with makeup and uh, that more and more people are reporting that doing makeup helps anxiety so much. I get anxious for no reason. I sit down and start doing my makeup and my anxiety settles down within 10 minutes. Oh, because it's uh, yeah. kind of like a ritual or you're getting That's outside of your own mind? Exactly. A teacher huh. in Dallas, Texas, uh, Erica, says that beauty definitely serves as a mental health tool in more ways than one, particularly the morning and nighttime skincare routine that helps give people a positive start and end to every day. And oh. that's why I wanted to start today by sharing with you, Tom, the yep. three best light bulbs for makeup. Well <laughs> Great. When you're buying your light bulbs for makeup, Tommy, you want to look... Which I always am. Oh, You want to make sure that you are looking at a warm white light for applying makeup. So what should you buy? First and foremost, Tom, you want to buy an LED light bulb. They absolutely save more energy than fluorescent lights. It, it's a calming, narrow band of wavelengths. It's designed to produce a closer-to-natural light. Are you with me? Are you keeping up with me here? Are those the ones that look like pig's tails? No, those are the compact fluorescent lights, CF oh. lights. You want to move on. The world has moved on from CF lights, Tom. You just haven't been keeping up. Uh, <laughs> you, you really want, you want to ditch those CF lights and you want to go for a warm LED light bulb. They don't get hot. Uh, the color uh, oh. temperature is lovely. Uh, it, they last a long, long time, 15 years or more. So the best vanity light is the Sunco uh, lighting warm white bulb for vanities. You can buy them at a 10-pack at Amazon uh, for $27. These are the round lights that make you feel like uh, uh, Judy Garland. In the in the mirror, but wait, but sometimes pack that means you have yeah. light bulbs for the next 150 years. No, 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 you use all 10 of them. What you need a vanity mirror. Haven't you seen this vanity oh. mirror? This is the Judy Garland vanity mirror. You're in now you're a I show business it. professional. I do you're know making, what you're talking about. Yes, okay, you're stomping on your own reputation here, Tom. You need to be careful <laughs> about that. Okay, so you put in these vanity lights, but what if you don't have a vanity mirror? You might be asking, Oh no, right? Mm -hmm. That's when you. That's when you get the most amazing set of products that I've ever seen, which is vanity light bulbs that actually have suction cups on the back of them. That's right. <laughs> the Bright Town LED Vanity Mirror Lights Kit. Oh, you that's stick fun. them. Yeah, you put them on your own mirror in a big circle around your shiny face to make yourself look pretty. I can't tell if that's awesome or a little sad. I think it's awesome. <laughs> But there's something melancholy about that. I'm like, I'm a star, mommy. When it's so do-it-yourself. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm still in it. I'm still in it. Go no, ahead. no, no. It, we're, I just want you to know that even if your apartment has horrible lighting, even if you turn yep. on that light and you put on your makeup and you think, my goodness, I've missed an entire life. I have a stripe across my forehead because of a shadow I didn't <laughs> know I had. Then you can buy the Vanity Light Suction Cup Kit 
and right. all your problems can be solved. So thanks, makeup. That's wonderful. I actually, just real quick while we're on the topic, <laughs> I have a beauty tip to share. Oh, outstanding. I'm all ears. This is something that I just started last week. I'd heard some like rumbles about it, but I've given it a try and it's really made a difference. Have you heard of soap? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Tommy Metz III. And I'm Pete Wright. And every week we each drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out. We want to hear about your anxieties. As you know, this whole season, we're talking about them. So send us your anxieties to something stinky at what's that smell.net. Again, regrettably, something stinky at what's that smell.net. And with that, Pete, and with your permission, I shall go first. Watch out. Pete, for this week, I was wondering if you'd indulge me in taking you through a brief history lesson. I think it's clear that I indulge you every week, Tom. <laughs> and I appreciate it. Consider me indulged. Here we go. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the German doctor Franz Mesmer? Yes. He, was he the, he's the, uh, the man behind how me being mesmerized. That is correct. That is where we get the term mesmerized. You're exactly right. For those that don't know, in the 18th century, he created the study of mesmerism, a.k.a. animal magnetism. He believed that there was an invisible magnetic natural force possessed by all living things, including humans, animals, and vegetables. Uh, Pete, can I attempt to pronounce the word that he used to describe this try. natural force? All right. Liebenschmagenstimus! Uh, <laughs> That's actually pretty close. Liebenschmagenstimus. Okay. In other words, humans are filled with magnetic fluid, and by using human touch and actual magnets, you could bend the body to your will and change the way your body reacted to things, including healing you when you were sick. The idea became crazy popular, and soon mesmerists were popping up all over the place. I have to tell you, I'm I'm glad that the definition of man history has faded into uh, just mesmerized. Yeah, just mesmerized. It, it it shouldn't mean what you're describing. This is not going well. Well, I don't know because in 1784, a French royal commission appointed by Louis the Sixteenth studied Mesmer's theory to try to establish it to see if it held any scientific weight. The study group included physicist John Baptiste Leroy and Benjamin Franklin, among many, many others. Their conclusion, Pete. Yeah, mesmerism is stupid. <laughs> mesmerism is stupid and absolutely not a thing. Uh, nevertheless, by around 1841, Scottish surgeon James Braid posited that mesmerism was real but had nothing to do with magical magnetic fluid, but instead saying that the mind and body could be affected just through the power of suggestion. Wanting to distance himself from the mesmerism term, he instead coined the word hypnosis. Wow. We have arrived at my anxiety. Really? This is my anxiety for the episode. I have anxiety and always have over the idea of ever being hypnotized, going through any kind of hypnosis or any kind of hypnotherapy. Yes, Pete? Is it because you just don't like the idea of it or because you are afraid you are somehow more susceptible to it and that you might just be spontaneously hypnotized and lose time? <laughs> It's kind of both. I actually, I worry that I'm not hypnotizable. And if I am, that idea sounds terrible. <laughs> Here, 
I, I, overall, I have feared that my brain can betray me and that through hypnotic suggestion, if it works, I can be made to think or do things without my control or consent. Yeah. No good. So while I've never seen one myself, I have heard through friends of friends that they've watched strangers cluck like a chicken and start taking their clothes off in front of a crowd during a hypnotist stage show. And that sounds like a terrible thing to go through. Have you ever seen a hypnotist stage show? I have. And I always have such a hard time believing it. It's like, you know, it's like a magic show, right? It's a it's a a, just sort of the next step in a magic show. Now, I also I do, you know, I feel like we need to separate uh, the idea of like therapeutic hypnosis and guided imagery from from the kind of stage show, because my my anxiety there (laughs) is I think I think it's the inverse of yours. Maybe if I know what inverse means, it's that I don't believe in stage show hypnosis and uh, what if I'm totally wrong? I don't want to be the guy who clucked like a chicken and and was the guy who didn't believe. <laughs> Either that way, would be the it worst. sounds like a fail. Yeah, <laughs> right. Very yes, I, I do definitely want to separate. There is stage hypnosis and there is hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. I have always assumed that there was very little difference between the two, other than the public performance aspect. In both <laughs> cases, this is what I believe. You'd be brought into a trance with a watch or a metronome or something shiny, and a stranger would whisper a bunch of things to you that you wouldn't remember, and then those secret thoughts would be implanted in you forever like a chubby Manchurian candidate. That would be me. It, that's exactly right. Yes. No, that, yes. I totally get that. Yep. Okay. Chubby, for, chubby Manchurian candidate. Manchurian. I was only talking about myself, not you. You're <laughs> so fit. So fit. I wanted to separate them and learn about them both. So first, if we can, let's start with stage hypnotism. Mm-hmm. I've never seen one, as I said, but I did uncover a number of experts that have pointed out that the effects of stage hypnosis are probably actually due, kind of like what you were getting to, due to a combination of relatively ordinary social psychological factors, such as compliance, social compliance, peer pressure, participant selection, and then like trickery and stagecraft, Mm -hmm. that that's Mm -hmm. a lot of it. For example, I found this one, these two, what are their names? Theodore X. Barber and Andre Mueller. Weizenhofer! <laughs> I'm just yelling <laughs> names at you today. It gives you um, such joy. They wrote a book about uh, how hip stage hypnosis isn't real. And they said that almost all of uh, stage hypnotists start their show by giving their entire audience a few exercises to perform and then plant ideas in their minds, such as A, only intelligent people can be hypnotized. And B, only those who are open-minded to being hypnotized and willing to participate can be hypnotized. Basically, those suggestions are designed to overcome the natural fear of trusting a stranger with the greater fear of becoming an object of ridicule as someone who is unintelligent, unsociable, and joyless. If it doesn't work on you, it's because you're a joyless jerk and nobody enjoys you. (laughs) Uh, And so they just lay down this net of social pressure. And then out of the crowd, the hypnotist will spot people who appear trusting, extroverted, and willing to put on a show. The reason for that is that they believe that the desire to be the center of attention, having an excuse to violate their own inner fear suppressors, and the pressure to please and perform, plus the expectation of the audience wanting a show in an all of those need to the participants being persuaded to play along. That's what it checks out to me, too. Uh, yeah. It's it, it is. Uh, uh, I don't know. It's like street magic. You know, you I, I'm trying to <laughs> yeah. think of what it is. What is that? Um, it's not like NLP. What is it where you the plant suggests the uh, there was the guy uh, who had the show, you know, the guy with the show. You really have to narrow this down, Pete. Oh, Seinfeld? come on. No, yeah, it was all about Seinfeld, Tom. <laughs> what are you no. talking about? No, it was the are you guy talking about like mentalism? 
Yes, the mental. It's like mentalism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got that's it. Kind of, okay. That's kind of the thing, right? It's the same thing. Right. It's kind of, it's a mix of cold and hot reading. Yes. And right. participant selection and then just suggestion. Exactly right. And there are, I'm going to wrap this part up, uh, but there are tons of examples of onstage deception, including... <laughs> something called private whispering. Uh, I found a quote from a book by a guy named Ormond McGill, who at one point was dubbed the master of stage hypnotism in the early 20th century. He wrote a book called new encyclopedia of stage hypnosis. And in it, he just describes an entire fake hypnosis act and how to do it. And it depends on the use of private whispers. So he says, quote, the hypnotist whispers off microphone to the audience member, we're going to have some laughs on the audience and fool them. So when I tell you to do some funny things, do exactly as I secretly tell you, okay? It'll be swell. That is a quote. And that's the encyclopedia of stage hypnotism. It's all yep. bunk. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and, if, and Pete, if there's one thing I've made very clear throughout my life, it is that I will not be party to a bamboozle. So that... <laughs> Is stage. I'm still stuck in that transatlantic <laughs> old way of talking. Uh, <laughs> so um, anyways, back to the bigger picture. I always assumed that stage hypnosis and hypnotherapy were the same thing, either a placebo fakery or actual creepy mind control. And both of those options respectively can go screw. So there was no way that, of course, I was going to try hypnotherapy for my anxiety. And yet here's the twist, Pete. In an echo of our first episode of this podcast, then I did some research. And oh, Pete, no. I have absolutely done hypnotherapy. <laughs> it just wasn't called hypnotherapy, but I've done it many, 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 many times. Now, before I get into explaining how this possibly happened under my own watch, you said that you've never done hypnotherapy. Have you ever thought about doing it? So we're distancing ourselves from stage hooligans and instead actual hypnotherapy. Yes, uh, totally. Um, I, I totally have. And I know it, uh, you know, I have experience with friends who have used it to, um, you know, to quit uh, smoking, to quit yep. eating, to like any of those sort of uh, as part of curbing behavioral, uh, you know, negative behavior patterns. What was um, the success rate, if you know? I don't know exactly, but the people sure. I know who have done it have, you know, quit smoking. And Do you want to go eating. check? We can wait. <laughs> no, okay, that's fine. Uh, that makes sense that as far as you know, at the very least, it's not hurting and it's probably putting right. some people over the top. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I've done this. I've done hypnotherapy. What were you trying to change? Uh, anxiety. <laughs> it's, the reason, <laughs> it's the reason that I go to therapy is for yeah, my right, anxiety. Right, right. And so, and in it, um, what I thought, because it's really a part of like what's been out there in the media, in movies and stuff, is that they would wave something in my face and then I would lose time and yeah. wake up and feel. And then, you know, just like fears of the uh, doctor then for some nefarious reason, twisting a mustache that he wasn't wearing before I fell asleep and saying things like, yeah. and then the anxiety will come back. So you have to come back every week and give me more money. Like auto suggestion. That's all terrifying. Um, mm -hmm. That's not how any of this goes. How a hypnotherapy session goes is you'll get comfortable. And to do this, a hypno, an hypnotist or hypnotherapist, or even just a therapist guides you into a deep state of relaxation, sometimes described as a trance light state. While you're in this state, they can just make suggestions designed to help you become more open to change or therapeutic improvement. You're in complete control of your body. You're not asleep. Mm -hmm. You're not out. You're always there. You're just more open to suggestion because of your relaxed state. And in that way, it's very similar. It's not exactly the same, but it's very similar to guided meditation, which I've done a ton of times. Right. Led by a therapist. I have an app on my phone that I think is a <laughs> hypnotist because it leads me through 
all of these steps and then starts talking about, you know, so then when I'm relaxed and more open, then uh, uh, my mind can actually, if the screaming stops, the good yes. thoughts can get in there and actually Natural. do some work. So, <laughs> yeah, I was I started this entire thing, honestly, saying I'm going to talk about hypnotism because it's the worst and I'm never going to do it. Well, <laughs> well, Pete, <laughs> I cannot say that that's true. It has actually been very helpful for me and it makes me want to try to get more into like what's TM trans. Transcendental meditation. Transcendental meditation. I've never had the courage to try that yet because it seems like a lot of sitting still with my own thoughts. It is. It's a little scary for me. Uh, But it's something that now I understand a little bit more that I've already dipped my toe in this kind of thing. Maybe it's something I'd be interested in trying. I I actually, I can vouch for TM and I uh, have experience with it. It was was kind of a gift that my mother had given to me when I was a teenager and we did it together and uh, we went to a clinic and I expected it to be super cultist and it was not at all that. And I still use uh, the mantra that I was sort of gifted at that uh, through my experience that summer and um, it it was terrific, and so yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, like you say, of of meditation in general. And uh, I use Headspace. Do you use Headspace? No, what's that? Uh, Headspace. I love the guy in, in Headspace. He's this. It, they don't. There's no music. It's just this guy, and he's talking to you. And his voice. He's. I think he's. I don't know if he's Australian or British or whatever, but he's not uh, American because I can't take Americans seriously. <laughs> when they're in my head, I need a foreign <laughs> accent or something. Yeah. I don't know. What it you just is. know they just came from like Jack in the Box or something. Like I know. That. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, right. I'm I can sure smell the heart. I can hear the Hardys on your voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's precisely it. It's the Hardys stench. Yeah. Uh, and so, for some reason, having this foreign voice in my head, I'll just fall right into whatever he's asking me to think about, and I, I, I think very highly of it. So the thing that I worry about the most, Tom, in this whole conversation, as much as we talk about it, we do, oh, yeah, hypnotherapy is great. I actually worry that I've been hypnotized all my life and I'm going to walk <laughs> down the street and somebody in probably flannel is going to come up to me and snap. <laughs> and then what? Oh, then you actually know where you really are. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's even probably, worse. It's probably Boise. <laughs> it's probably behind an Applebee's in Boise <laughs> and things are not looking up. Put me back under. <laughs> today's regret, Tom. I begin Ooh. today's regret with a set of conditions you must understand about my life. <laughs> Number one, I am a freelance professional. Number mm-hmm. two, as a freelance professional, I work out of my home. And number three, because I work out of my home, sometimes I begin my day with coffee, standing at my computer Uh in my pajamas. Oh. (laughs) Now, we have these three points as table stakes. Most days, I take my my son, he leaves the house and he takes the bus to school. But today he had an early choir rehearsal and he needed to be taken to school early. And that was my job. And uh, I was running late because of, you know, events, whatever, around the house. And I forgot to look at the time. And I so I I looked at my watch and suddenly I realized we have 10 minutes to take a 15 minute trip in the car. So by the time I look at my watch, we're late, but I knew we could make it. So I took him to school in my pajamas. Oh. You know, you put the hat on and you put the jacket on. And you, everything's fine in your pajamas. Sure. When I got back, a, a few kids were playing basketball in our driveway. Uh, we have kind of an open driveway and, and we're uh, friendly people. Uh, and 
so, you know, I said hi, and they were playing. And one of the kids, he shot the ball at the hoop, and it rebounded and bounced off into the yard as I was coming around the back of the car to go into my garage. And as I did so, he runs off to one side. Other kids start walking to the to the bus stop, and I catch my pajama leg on the bumper of the car, pulling my pants down. <laughs> It's, it's the Rube Goldberg of embarrassment. And as it happens, Tom, I don't need to tell you, I may have been going commando at the time. Oh, no! So you're just a walking John Candy sketch. It was oh the stupidest God. thing that has ever happened. I turned so quickly to see sure. if anybody had noticed. And time, I swear to God, it stopped. I think, <laughs> I, like, we locked eyes. I pulled my pants up real quick and we locked eyes. And I don't think they actually saw me but okay. they were so shocked at me staring at them like dramatic look <laughs> gopher not a word was spoken and i backed into the garage yeah and they went on with their game but i will never forget the day i mooned seventh graders oh, God. here's something oh well no i just want to sit with it for a second <laughs> Well, here's something you won't regret. Today's podcast, as always, is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free, yes, free, yes, free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash scentofapodcast. Over 240,000 titles to choose from for all of your rectangles and your ear holes. Because we were just talking about hypnosis and persuasion, I would like to suggest the Audible audiobook of Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer is one of the authors that is exploring the new genre called New Weird, which is sort of a mix of sci-fi and evolution and a bunch of weird things. Sort of just, it's a mix of sci-fi, horror, and a lot of stuff. Annihilation, it actually came out as a movie that's very different than the book. Uh, I think last year, starring Natalie Portman. The movie is fine, but the book is fantastic. It's one of three in what's called the Southern Reach Trilogy. Pretty much what it is, is all of a sudden somewhere on Earth, a area has become weird. <laughs> they call it Area X, and it's shimmery, and there seems to be, like, animals that we don't usually have in it, and they keep sending in these expeditions to try to study it. None of them ever come back. And this is the story of the 12th expedition. Why I brought it up with persuasion and hypnosis, well, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a lot of subliminal thought that is used uh, before the people go into the expedition, and it makes a big difference when those subliminal thoughts are used against them. So, I say you give it a try. Annihilation. It is only six hours, and it is only six hours. No minutes at all. Oof. That's very quick. Okay, I, I guess you could just live your life as normal. I love it. And remember, you can try it for free, and if you don't like it, you get to keep it because it's a free 30-day trial, and you doing so helps us here at WTS. So again, go to audibletrial.com slash scent of a podcast and give it a try. Tom, I oh, I have a listener submission for you today. Oh, good. My favorite, my favorite. I don't normally like to set any one person's anxiety up above others. But if there is a submission that I feel like has thus far 
in our nay three and a half seasons of this show or two and a half seasons of this show uh achieved the mvp oh. of, of of submissions i think wow. i have it today wow okay is it from phobos i would <laughs> The Greek god of yikes. It is not from Phobos. I actually, it's an audio submission, Tom. (gasps) Oh, cool. Okay. I know. I would like to play it for you now. May I? Please. All right. Hi, Pete and Tom. My name is Cole, and I am eight years old, and I just learned about anxieties today, and I would like to share two of my anxieties. One of them (laughs) is the dark and the reason oh. I'm afraid of the dark is because sometimes I feel like there's a monster hiding. And yep. two is the fire alarm at school. And <laughs> I'm afraid of it because I never know when it's going to go off. That's wonderful. Right? I'm sorry, what was his name? What was his name? His name was Cole. That is Cole. Cole. And he is afraid of two things. He is afraid of the dark because he is afraid that there is a monster in the dark. And he is afraid of the fire alarm at school because he just doesn't know when it's going to go off. And I want to say, exactly right. thank you, Cole. Those Love are it. legit anxieties. And uh, it's about time we faced them head on. Yes. Hypnotism. Get out of here. <laughs> We got to deal with Cole. Cole, thank you so much for submitting. We really appreciate it. That was adorable and wonderful. And so we're going to talk about Fear of the Dark. Mm -hmm. Fear of the Dark is a uh, Greek portmanteau, you know, a Greek manteau uh, (laughs) of uh, nicto and phobia, night and fear, nyctophobia. It is a phobia characterized by a severe fear of the dark triggered by the brain's disfigured perception of what would or could happen when in a dark environment. What do you think about that, Tommy? How a, Your brain may have a disfigured perception. Is that a fancy way of saying making something up? Yeah, I think that's pretty much what that's okay. saying. That's then using love words it. that are way too big for what sure. they're trying to define. Yeah, Cole just, Cole just left us. He's playing Fortnite or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, this goes back to something we've talked about on the show before, that, that mm-hmm. because humans are not nocturnal by nature, right? And, it, you know, those of us who don't, who have trouble sleeping, usually we're doing it with lights on, right? We're, you know, we're, we're probably up playing Fortnite ourselves. Uh, <laughs> we're we're more cautious or alert at night than in the day because the dark right. is, is vastly different. It goes back to the evolutionary traits that we've talked about before that uh, because predators... Big scary uh, animals hide in the dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, jaguars <laughs> uh, are, are nighttime hunters. And we have, uh, you, you know, we are food for jaguars. Never. I'm not going to talk about that anymore, Cole. But don't worry about that. <laughs> jaguars aren't real. Because of evolution. <laughs> because of evolution, our bodies and our brains have a, an instinct that says night is supposed to be scary. And that is designed to protect us. That we feel fear to keep our senses heightened and alert and that's a good thing oh that's interesting i didn't think about it that way yeah yeah what do you think about that so it's okay to be cautious or alert and at, at night more so than in the day because you know our all of our sensors are naturally, our eyes are, are, and our brains are naturally attuned to light. And when we don't have light, our brains go into a little bit of panic or, as smart people say, disfigured perceptions of the world. So, <laughs> 
So it's okay, first of all. It's all okay. Uh, it is also, Cole, you will be uh, pleased to know, troublesome for grown-ups too. Yeah. And in fact, I have a couple of sources here, one by J. Adrian Williams and another by John Mayer, not that John Mayer. Uh, <laughs> they have both written papers on this whole idea of of this night phobia, this dark phobia being incapacitating to adults. In fact, uh, Mayer says that an estimated 11% of U.S. adults report a fear of the dark more common than the fear of heights. Wow. And also that your body is a wonderland. <laughs> We've covered that. That's settled science. Okay. All right. So what do you think about this so far, uh, Tommy? How do you feel about the fear of the dark? Because you and I have, have talked about the womp. Uh, the sound yep. of the dark, of of uh, how it's isolating. I imagine this hits uh, pretty close to home for you. It does. Actually, I worked, because I'm such a huge fan of horror and horror movies, horror literature, yeah. uh, I used to like to scare myself, try to scare myself. And one of the things that I would do that I now believe I was doing to help myself try to deal with my fear <laughs> of the dark is I would watch, a my parents would be out and about, like they always were. Oh, real gadabouts. <laughs> I would watch a horror movie and then I would go down into the garage with all the lights off and I would just sit on the stairs. Do I want oh. to tell this story? I don't know. <laughs> this is something that I want to admit. I think you do. I think you do. Tell the okay. story. Get it out. Share it with the people. Tom. Just because I wanted to try to demystify fear a little bit. Uh -huh. And so I would let my I would watch something purposely scary and then force myself to be in the dark to see if I could get on top of it. Sometimes I could, sometimes I couldn't. So what that means to say is that it's not like I ever just conquered the dark, but it was always a big deal for me, even like longer than it should have been as far as growing up wise. Oh, no, you just put, gave me off the hook. Oh, you're totally off the hook. Oh, yeah. great. Okay. Yeah. So uh, while I don't have the same fear I do now, it does not take much for me for that same garage dwelling weirdo to want to say, I'm not as scared of the dark, but I would be if this was in it. And then yeah. I'm kind of scared of the dark. <laughs> Granted, <laughs> personally, and this isn't to say different than you, Cole, I'm not scared of monsters, more like just like scary criminals who want to rob me or make fun of my dog. So uh, that's where I am. But yeah, no, the, the dark can definitely be weaponized the same way like words. Thanks, Audible. <laughs> I think that that actually, uh, Tommy, you put a, a really good frame around it. And as I was looking at ways people have used to get over this kind of a thing, uh, this fear of the dark. And and again, uh, kids and adults, we are not alone and none of us are immune to to this feeling of uncertainty that comes with, you know, a change of environment. Oh, and so, wait, I just realized what I was doing. What'd you do? Exposure therapy. I never even thought of that. Yes, you I did. was doing a homegrown version of exposure therapy without knowing what either of those words meant. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, oh, okay. that's totally exactly weirdo. what you did. And that is the number one a bit of recommended advice on how to get over this, right? You want to get a sense for how long you can actually be in the space. When I was a kid, I had a, a, a pretty serious uh, a fear of the dark myself, and it was always the closet, a stupid closet. And mm. so I... I uh, well, this is an interesting story. I'm going to go ahead and tell this story and i recognize there may be some blowback oh, okay. uh okay i'm gonna go ahead and say it so i had this fear of the dark and it was a closet that closet there was always something going to be in the closet and so i started mm -hmm. trying to take control of the closet if, if i thought there was something in there i would before i would go to bed i would get a tennis racket and i would smack my clothes hanging in the closet <laughs> i would like beat the 
I would beat everything in the closet just to make sure nothing yelped. And then I would go to bed (laughs) and I would start to feel fine. Uh, You know, occasionally I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would look at the closet and something would be scary there, but it would be too dark for me to get out of bed. Then one day, (laughs) one night, I should say, I apparently, I got up and I say apparently, well, I got up while I was sleeping and I went over to the closet and I opened the door and my laundry basket was in the closet and then I peed on it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm not kidding you. After that day, I never had another problem with my closet. Like, never. I never gave it another thought. Wait, wait. Yeah. Questions. (laughs) I know. I knew it was. I knew. I know. Was this like we're. I assume you weren't drunk. Like, was this a choice you made? I was like, I was seven. I That's was why seven. I said, I assume yeah. you weren't drunk. I wasn't drunk. I was 27. Seven. I was seven. <laughs> but wait, <laughs> were you like, this is my plan for the next couple seconds? Or would you just sort of wake no. up halfway through I, it? No, I woke up. I actually, I, I think my, I think my mom or dad came in and uh, woke me from my oh. sleep pee. I was sleeping. So you were. You were hypnotized. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't bedwetting. I was my. I was closet you were ham- wetting. You were hamper, hamper wetting. wetting. Oh, yeah, man. I hamper wet the bed. But I, I think that was for me. That was a way to to take control over the space that scared me in the dark. And I slept through the entire event. But interesting. Uh, but afterward, I I never had a single problem. Now, am I recommending that you urinate on your own dirty clothes? No. <laughs> Not more than normal. Yeah. (laughs) I am not. I don't think that is a good course of action, nor is it something that's necessarily repeatable beyond that specific context. You're not going to go pee on people at meetings when you grow up. You just have to get used to this. (laughs) So I don't think you should do it. But I do think that Tommy actually had a really great bit of advice. This sort of practice and exposure therapy. You know, if you're scared of your closet, why don't you turn the lights on? Go into your closet where you think you're, it's it's most scary and mm. see how long you can sit in there if somebody else turns the lights off for you. Mm. And then you get to see what it's like in there. And you know that there's nobody else in there because you're in there. You're alone. You're sweeping your arms around. That actually is some great advice for from the therapeutic community. And it goes into this exposure therapy. Expose yourself to the hard stuff. You can do hard things, Cole. And I think... Uh, this is a great one to practice. I love that idea. Yeah, and do it when you're do it when your parents are home, so it's extra level of safety. Absolutely. Uh, and and just, yeah, step number four. I don't know. I haven't been keeping track. Yeah, talk a lot about this. Don't keep it inside. Talk to your mom. Uh, tell her all about what's going on. Uh, tell her how you feel about it all the time. Make it casual. Make it easy. It's not mm. something you have to be ashamed of. It's not something you have to be scared to talk about. Uh, it, your anxiety, your fear is your fear. And the more you talk about it, the less control it will have over you. I love it. Regarding monsters specifically. Mm. All mm-hmm. the monsters are in Washington right now, kiddo. You don't have anything to worry about there. Hey-o! They're busy. They're, they're all busy trying to bork your future. So don't worry about it. You're <laughs> fine. You're fine. Watch out now. I'm ready for a good time. And I came to grow the whole band and we came to move. Got a Thank you all so, so much for joining us for this episode. Today's tune is Watch Out by Sean Davis. Coming up next week. For fun, I have two. Because <laughs> I, I bore easily. Monday morning yeah. before lunch. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> well, it has the word manja in it, so I have to pronounce yeah. it like an idiot. <laughs> With the goo and every, I want them to just see detail. I think that'll help. Make better choices, kids. Make better Love choices. The principle. Dot dot dot. You might <laughs> be next. Until then, I'm Pete Wright, and I'm Tommy Metz the third. Thank you so much for downloading. We will be back next week on What's That Spell. Baby, I feel real good, and I wish I would. It's gotta be against the law. Look, this damn good, baby. Everybody, watch out. Watch out now.